Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9 o'clock a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 7th day of September 2023. This is episode 789 of Bitcoin and it's El Salvador Day, <laughs> or other people call it Legal Tender Day. We'll get into a little bit of that and more. Uh, Genesis has gotten uh, their, uh, well, Genesis is, uh, Genesis is doing what Genesis does. Uh, there are lawsuits on the horizon. We're going to talk about IMF and the IRS and the FSB and the FASB just a little bit. Uh, U.S. Treasury and IRS and all those people are, you know, they're they're doing their thing and we probably need to know about it. All right. Uh, it was very hot in Texas. Uh, we're going to hear about just how hot it was in Texas because we have a new temperature gauge to look at that with. And this particular temperature gauge is Bitcoin mining. We're going to look at the flavor of Riot because they're the ones that... Well, they shut down a lot of their stuff, um, and when you think about it, it is a way to gauge how hot a place is, or at least where there is Bitcoin mining, over a period of time, because it kind of makes sense. And, and I would never use it to gauge something like, you know, like the heat index or something like that over a very large period of time, but... It it gives us a clue as to how hot things might actually get. Uh, Mostero is a very interesting project. I'm going to give you an overview of that. Uh, we've got some news about Primal. The dust has settled, and we have a statement from Emil Jean about that one. We've got a couple of other things, but let's go ahead and start with Legal Tender Day. It is Legal Tender Day. El Salvador marks the second anniversary of historic Bitcoin legal tender law. This was written by Reed McDonald, uh, Bitcoin Magazine. On September the 7th, 2021, El Salvador made headlines worldwide by becoming the first country to pass a groundbreaking Bitcoin law officially recognizing the cryptocurrency as legal tender alongside the United States dollar. The historic move, spearheaded by President Nayib Bukele, promised to revolutionize the nation's financial landscape, and so far, signs suggest Bitcoin is building a presence domestically with restaurants, shops, and even hotels. President Nayib Bukele's vision for El Salvador was clear. Harness the power of Bitcoin to boost financial inclusion, attract investment, and reduce the cost associated with remittances. The law was met with both excitement and, well, skepticism. <laughs> yeah, just a little. Though any rumors the move would cause the country to default have proved to be exaggerated, as have claims that El Salvador would waver on its commitment to Bitcoin as a technology due to its ongoing decline from 2021 highs. And so far, 
In 2023, the nation has unveiled a series of initiatives aimed at strengthening its support for Bitcoin, and these have included appointing Bitcoin standard author Saifedean Amis as an economic advisor, attracting new residents to the site for its proposed Bitcoin city, eliminating income tax and capital gains on technology innovations, granting licenses to Bitcoin and crypto exchanges, including Bitfinex and Binance, implementing Bitcoin education in every public school, opening Bitcoin embassies in key international jurisdictions, launching Bitcoin developer education programs at universities, starting new Bitcoin mining operations powered by renewable energy, and finally vowing to add one BTC per day to the national treasury. And in addition, President Bukele has remained a champion of Bitcoin, touting the increased tourism that the initiative has brought to the country, as well as fighting back against claims by the IMF that the initiative has negatively impacted its economy. In short, the world continues to watch with great interest as El Salvador navigates its path as a global cryptocurrency pioneer. Time will tell if more nations will follow suit. Okay, again, that was Reed McDonald for Bitcoin Magazine. That's just giving us an overview of what's gone on in the last couple of years since the Bitcoin law went into effect in El Salvador. And there's three things here that in this bullet point list of quote-unquote things that they've done that are really of interest. And the first one is implementing Bitcoin education in every public school. Um, I'm not sure about this. But they have linked to an old tweet. Uh, and let's see. Then this was from September the 4th of 2023. And I missed it. Apparently, then this is from Bitcoin Magazine's uh, Twitter account. says, just in, El Salvador will implement Bitcoin education into every public school in 2024. Uh, and this just came. I, did, I saw nothing about this. Nothing, nothing. I didn't hear a word about this. And this just happened a couple of days ago. According to at least the timestamp on Twitter, if it's to be believed, this was at 1.03 p.m. September the 4th, 2023. So just like three days ago. And I heard nothing about it. Did anybody else? If, uh, If anybody heard anything about this, please let me know because I missed it completely. And I'm... Either I'm remiss or there's actually no real story about it in Bitcoin Magazine because I guarantee you I was scanning Bitcoin Magazine, but whatever. Um, It's an interesting development to have this put into every public school as part of their education. The questions are, in what capacity will they be putting this into their education system? And two, is Naib Bukele just blowing smoke up up our butts? about this. You know, again, I hate saying it, but we have to wait and see. We have to get boots on the ground. If anybody out there is listening to my voice and is in El Salvador and understands what has occurred or what will occur, please, please, please get in touch with me through DMs on Noster and let's see if we can uh, uh, figure out if this is just a bunch of BS or if it's an actual thing. The second thing that I want to talk about is the launching the Bitcoin developer education uh, at universities. Well, what, what the hell was, what the hell is this? I mean, this is a little, this is a little odd. So let's find out more about this one. And again, in a tweet from Bitcoin magazine says, and let's see, when's the, uh, the, the date is July 28th. So not terribly long ago, 2023, 
It says El Salvador's new $1 billion uh, Bitcoin mining startup to create its very own mining pool. See, this is bullshit because there's no, there's no way. No, no, no. Hold on. Let me make sure that I've got this the right way. Okay. Yeah. I, I was looking at the wrong tweet. Sorry. Breaking El Salvador launches university education program to produce elite Bitcoin and lightning developers. That was back in March on March the 15th, 2023. Again, saw nothing about it. You know, I, I either I'm just getting really like not not being attentive to my business in my old age or Bitcoin magazine is not writing actual articles about this stuff. I'm not on Twitter anymore, so I don't see this. And it's just it 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 bugs me. But if if he's not lying, if Naib Bukele is not lying and he's pushing the education component into public schools as well as El Salvadoran universities. Well, that's a thing that we should we should not be, you know, tossing aside too lightly. Again, to what degree are they actually going to do this? And is it just blowing smoke? The last one, I actually think that this is just blowing smoke. It's the vowing to add one BTC per day to the national treasury. I've seen nothing out of El Salvador that actually proves that they have continued to do this ever since he announced it. Where is it going? Like show me, we, I would like to see the purchases. Show me the transaction. What's the transaction hash. Let me go look at that over, you know, on mempool.space. But I have seen absolutely nothing to indicate that this is provable insofar that because he would be holding a shit ton of Bitcoin ever since he announced it, right? So you got to take a bunch of this with a grain of salt. I I like what El Salvador is doing. I like what Nayib Bukele is saying, but speaking and doing are two completely different things. But eh, let's let's get into now that I've got uh, figured out about this education thing. Let's read this one from Cointelegraph Savannah Fortis. El Salvador to introduce Bitcoin education in schools by 2024. Uh, the Ministry of Education in, of, in El Salvador and the nonprofit, non governmental organization Mi Premier Bitcoin, meaning My First Bitcoin, has partnered to add Bitcoin education to public school curriculum by 2024. John Deheny, or Denny, the founder of M. P.B. confirmed to Cointelegraph that this is a project of the Ministry of Education that MPB is assisting with along with Bitcoin Beach. The Me Premier Bitcoin program, from which students receive a diploma of completion, will be the primary source material for the Bitcoin portion, according to Denny. He said training for the pilot program begins on September the 7th, which would be, oh, today, with assistance from Bitcoin Beach. The Bitcoin Diploma Program will be taught in 150, no, will be taught to 150 public school teachers from 75 different schools to provide them with a base knowledge of Bitcoin, quote, as the first nation to adopt Bitcoin, El Salvador will be an example for the world. Quality education is our best chance to ensure that the example is a positive one, end quote. Denny said, that after the initial training, the teachers will return to their own schools and teach from the curriculum created by the Ministry of Education. If successful, he said, 
The program will be rolled out to every school in the country next year. Quote, when my first Bitcoin began two years ago, one of the dreams was to educate a nation. This is a significant step towards that. End quote. In a recent interview with Bitcoin Beach, its community leader, Roman Martinez, told Cointelegraph that over 25,000 students in El Salvador have already learned about Bitcoin in the classroom. Denny said that while El Salvador is currently the focus, the mission is to bring Bitcoin education to the world. Quote, El Salvador is leading the way with public Bitcoin education, and we expect other nations to follow. The world is watching. End quote. He told Cointelegraph that MPB is already in early talks with two other governments in Latin America that are interested in implementing El Salvadoran-style Bitcoin education for local students. On September the 4th, Bitcoin Cuba posted on social media that signups are open for the first edition of its own version of Me Premier Bitcoin. So it looks like the, the public education standpoint of this Bitcoin education program in El Salvador may not be them just blowing smoke because Bitcoin Beach is involved as well as Me Premier Bitcoin. Well, again, we got to watch and see. And what, what I'd really be interested in is after one full cycle of this, which means like one full school year, whatever that is in El Salvador, to be able to talk to some of the younger students that have taken the curriculum and find out were they interested in it, what did they learn, how are they going to bring it forward into their own lives and into the lives of others. Again, the only way to do that is boots on the ground in El Salvador. So if any of you guys, again, any of the people that are in El Salvador that's listening to my voice, please, please get a hold of me and tell me any of the details that are missing here. And I will put them on the show because I'm very interested in everything that goes on in Latin America. Now, lawsuits, we, we got them. Decrypt and Matt DeSalvo brings it to us. Genesis hits parent company DCG with $600 million lawsuits. Again, let's understand what's going on here. Genesis is suing its own parent. DCG is the umbrella corporation and Genesis is underneath that as a child company. The child is suing its parent for $600 million. Collapsed crypto company Genesis Global on Wednesday filed one, not one, but two lawsuits against Digital Currency Group and Digital Currency Group International demanding the repayment of over $600 million in loans, including over $115 million worth of Bitcoin by itself. DCG is the parent company of Genesis, a lender that halted withdrawals in November following the crash of the crypto exchange FTX. In Wednesday's legal actions filed in the United States Bankruptcy Court of the Southern District of New York, Genesis Global alleged that two loans, which total around $620 million, have not been repaid. The company said that the loans matured in May and include about 4,500 Bitcoin. The lawsuit is also trying to recover accrued interest and late fees. Genesis Global went bust in January shortly after it laid off 30% of its staff. Oh my God. The lender was one of many crypto companies hit hard by the collapse of the digital asset mega brand FTX, which failed spectacularly in November of last year. Genesis was in trouble because it served as the primary lending partner of New York-based crypto exchange Gemini. All right, so Genesis was the lending partner of Gemini. After going bust, it owed users of the high-yield savings product Gemini Earn $900 million. 
And just last month, DCG said that it had reached an in-principle agreement with Genesis Global's creditors to resolve the claims that emerged during Genesis' bankruptcy with the aim of achieving a fair recovery for creditors. New York-based Genesis Global Trading, a Genesis-linked company, yesterday announced that it would wind down its spot trading uh, spot trading crypto trading service next month for business reasons. And that's in quotes. The company offers over-the-counter market-making services in crypto. Yeah, well, not anymore. Yeah, that business reasons means that they were involved in fraud. They got their they got caught with their britches down around their ankles, and now they're going to have to bend over and take it. That's what that means. This is why you don't engage in fraud. If you if you actually want to, you know, be able to sleep at night and not worry about shit, you know, getting into high yield products and taking people's Bitcoin as collateral and holding it on your books and then rehypothecating it is probably not the best way to go about it. FTX at the end and Alameda didn't have any Bitcoin or if they, they did have some, but it was like, it was minuscule compared to what everybody thought that they had. Right. So this is just another example of the continual fallout from FTX, Alameda, Terra Luna, that entire mess. This is the reap what you sow phase of the cycle. And we're talking about the Bitcoin cycle. This always happens and it's going to happen next cycle too. So just buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin. I don't know what else to tell you, but bankrupt crypto bans won't work according to the IMF and FSB because they're warning about that very thing in a joint paper according to Sandali Handagama from Coindesk. Just banning cryptocurrency will not eliminate its risks, a joint policy roadmap published by Global Standard Setters Thursday said. The policy paper commissioned by the Intergovernmental Forum G20 under India's leadership combines norms set by the Financial Stability Board, the FSB, the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, and other international standard setters for the crypto sector in one report which found comprehensive regulatory and supervisory oversight of crypto assets should be a baseline to address macroeconomic and financial stability risks. That sounds like a lot of suit speak. The IMF slash FSB synthesis paper is set to be presented to the G20 this weekend and as part of a series of efforts by international bodies to introduce global norms for the industry, particularly following the numerous crypto enterprise collapses of 2022. To tackle macroeconomic risks from crypto, the report says jurisdictions should strengthen monetary policy frameworks, guard against excessive capital flow volatility, and adopt unambiguous tax treatments of crypto, end quote. Thursday's report reiterated the IMF's stance that crypto blanket bans may not help in mitigating associated risks and added that targeted restrictions might come in handy for emerging economies in particular. Oh, targeted restrictions could come in handy for emerging economies in particular. It means they're going to try to keep everybody down in the emerging markets. Countries like India have raised concerns about the enhanced threat from widespread crypto use to monetary policy in emerging economies and have called for policy bodies to recommend stronger prohibitions or address those specific concerns. Imposing blanket bans that make all crypto activities, including trading and mining, illegal in one jurisdiction is not only expensive and technically challenging, 
but could also lead to activity migrating to other jurisdictions, creating spillover risks, according to the report. Quote, Restrictions should not substitute for robust macroeconomic policies, credible institutional frameworks, and comprehensive regulation and oversight, which are the first line of defense against the macroeconomic and financial risks posed by crypto assets, it said. But that doesn't mean all prohibitions should be off the table. The IMF and FSB say jurisdictions might consider targeted and temporary restrictions to manage some risk factors in stressful times, or while countries find better internal fixes. The paper appeared to reference some examples of such restrictions at play, such as the targeted restrictions on anonymity-enhancing privacy coins in places like Dubai, to a ban on Nigerian banks serving crypto firms. Quote, Some jurisdictions, in particular emerging markets and developing economies, may want to take additional targeted measures that go beyond the global regulatory baseline to address specific risks, it added. The IMF-FSB roadmap addressed another concern of G20 countries about the proliferation of stablecoins, threatening currency replacement or bank runs in emerging economies. Quote, Rapid capital flight or reversals could materialize if foreign currency-denominated stablecoins become easier and cheaper to hold in large quantities relative to foreign currency bank accounts. While they could facilitate a wide range of transactions, the report said stablecoins may have distinct risks that come with maintaining a stable value and dependency on private issuers, something that played out in real time as algorithmic stablecoin Terra USD depegged from the U.S. dollar in a matter of days, wiping out billions from the market in 2022. It added that global stablecoin adopted by multiple jurisdictions may transmit volatility more abruptly than other crypto assets and may cause significant risk to financial stability. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so that's the end of the article. Um, the point is that they well know everything that we've already known for quite a while now. And that is, you can't ban this stuff. It's impossible. This is the formation of, this is no less than the formation of a true biological entity in the form of digital communication. These things happen when, when you have soils or forests or any kind of ecosystem and a wholesale change happens to that entire ecosystem, you will get something that emerges, something that is unknown, something that is hidden, something that you've never seen before. Because the stress on that ecosystem opens up the possibility for that emergence. Like, for instance, a tree falls in the forest. Let's say a big one. It just falls over. The, I don't know, something that, let's just say that the roots, root structure of the tree, the taproot, somehow or another got diseased. It couldn't anchor itself in the soil as deep as it needed to be. A bunch of snow happened or a huge windstorm or, or basically just think of a microburst happens. Big ass, 400 year old giant redwood falls over, right? Well, look at the base of that tree. Now that it's fallen over, what is left over? It's this huge pit, right? Nothing would have grown there before, but now that it is exposed to air, sunlight, direct raindrop impacts, all of a sudden its little micro ecosystem 
has changed dramatically. And in that drama, completely new organisms are able to colonize right there because it's a completely different set of conditions that are not normally found anywhere else. So all of a sudden, a mushroom that you've never seen in that forest before may go, oh, well, I because of this disturbance, it's now time for me to fruit mushrooms so that I can spread my spores, therefore my genetic material, because something, a calamitous thing has hap- happened. The same thing is happening with Bitcoin. It's something that was, all, I believe that it was something that was always there, but it took 2007, 2008 to actually have enough of an oomph to come into being because we've almost destroyed the economic landscape of the entire world. You may not see it. In fact, let's, let's go back to the tree example. Let's say that the tree never fell, fell down. But a, like, you know, the, tree, the forest looks exactly the same to anybody who's just looking with just generalized eyes. You know, you're not looking for something specific. You're walking through the forest and it looks exactly the same to you. Somebody else may actually see, you know, it's been, there's a lot more rain here all of a sudden for the, like the last five years. And because of that increased moisture content, which person A just doesn't see, person B realizes that the change in the ecosystem is going to bring forward something different. But something that's always been there, it's just been hidden. Bitcoin is the same. That's why I call it a biological entity, even though it's completely digital. That makes no difference to me whatsoever. Whether it's chemical, biological, digital, I don't care. Why? Because it all follows the same rules of the universe. Everything follows those rules. It doesn't matter in what form it is. It's going to follow the same rules. Bitcoin is no less nor more of a biological entity that has arisen out of a calamitous change in the ecosystem as a brand new mushroom that arises out of a forest floor because of a calamitous change in its macro or micro ecosystem environment. I hope that makes sense. But we got another uh, we got another four letter agency to worry about. The A no F A S B has voted in favor of fair value accounting for Bitcoin. Nick Hoffman has this one for Bitcoin Magazine. In a long anticipated move, Bloomberg Tax reported that the Financial Accounting Standards Board, the FASB, is set to introduce new fair value accounting rules for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. And these new rules aim to provide a more accurate reflection of the market value of digital assets and bring greater transparency to the financial reporting of companies that hold cryptocurrencies. The rules, expected to be published by the end of this year, are set to go into effect as soon as 2025, but companies will be able to apply them earlier than that. For years, the valuation of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin has been a challenging aspect of financial reporting for companies. The volatile nature of these assets has made it difficult to accurately assess their fair market value. Under the current accounting standards, companies often struggle to present a true picture of their financial health as the value of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies fluctuate wildly. The FASB's move to introduce fair value accounting rules 
will require companies to regularly assess the fair market value of their digital assets and report fluctuations in value as part of the statements. This means that if the price of Bitcoin surges or plummets, companies will have to reflect these changes in their financial reports, providing stakeholders with a more accurate picture of their financial position. The old treatment accounted for Bitcoin as an intangible asset, which meant if the price went lower than what companies bought it for, they had to take an impairment charge on their books, even if they didn't sell it. But if the price went up, they couldn't receive any benefit on their books unless they sold it. Now, with fair value accounting periodically, like every quarter, companies can report the unrealized gains and losses to get an actual benefit on their books if the price of the asset increases without having to sell or capture it. This could make companies more likely to add Bitcoin to their balance sheet and become long-term holders as they can now report the appreciation without actually having to sell anything. Investors and regulators will now have access to more timely and accurate information about the financial health of companies involved in the Bitcoin space. This increased transparency is expected to foster greater trust and confidence in the industry, which has often been plagued by concerns over its lack of oversight and regulation. The move towards fair value accounting also aligns with the growing acceptance of Bitcoin in mainstream finance. As it becomes more integrated into the global financial systems, it is essential that accounting standards evolve to accommodate digital assets. The FASB's decision to implement fair value accounting rules is a recognition of the maturing market and its importance to the broader economy. However, implementing fair value accounting for cryptocurrencies is not without its challenges. The volatility of Bitcoin and other digital assets means that companies will need to invest in robust valuation methods and procedures to ensure accuracy in their financial reporting. Additionally, auditors will need to develop expertise in assessing the fair market value of these assets, which can be a complex task. Despite these challenges, the introduction of fair value accounting rules for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies is a significant step for the industry. It will provide much needed clarity and transparency, ultimately benefiting investors, companies, and regulators alike. As the Bitcoin market continues to grow and evolve, having standardized accounting frameworks in place is essential to maintain trust and ensure the responsible integration of BTC into the global financial system. So in a way, it's good for companies. And this was going to have to be in place before things like, well, BlackRock, if they get their, if they get their spot uh, Bitcoin stuff going on, it, this was going to have to be in place before that. Because anybody that's going to leverage the BlackRock spot Bitcoin ETF, like, you know, Oh, unions, uh, universities, and they're, you know, if they're going to put it on their, uh, you know, if they're going to be leveraging companies that are doing 401ks for their employees and their employees can opt into Bitcoin, those 401ks are going to have to be able to report. And without this, that was going to make it almost that almost to the point where even if BlackRock, like let's say just they, they gave it to BlackRock tomorrow, but this wasn't in place it would be kind of hard for 401k people that, you know, the companies that build up 401ks and then offer those as products to universities and school systems and whatnot like that. It was going to be hard for them to be able to say, yeah, we'll go ahead and do it because without this, the accounting is a freaking nightmare. 
But with this, the accounting becomes ever so much more easier. So this has to be in place if you want institutional hodling of Bitcoin to go further. Uh, Last up for the first half of the show is the U.S. Treasury and the IRS proposing cryptocurrency regulations for brokers. Arjit Sarkar is writing it for Cointelegraph. Two United States federal agencies, the Treasury and IRS, has released a set of cryptocurrency regulations proposal detailing brokers' reporting requirements. The Office of Advocacy of the United States Small Business Administration revealed that the proposal around crypto regulations for brokers was released on August the 29th, and it explained, quote, The proposed rules would require digital asset brokers, including trading platforms, payment processors, and certain hosted wallet providers to report gross proceeds for all sales or exchanges of digital assets starting January the 1st of 2025. Brokers, referred to as digital asset middlemen in the regulatory proposal, will also be subject to providing information on gains and losses incurred during the sale of crypto assets. However, this requirement will kick in on or after January the 1st, 2026. Uh, we'll have to see about that. That sounds like it might they might have uh, made a typo on that. According to a related document shared over the Federal Register, The proposed regulations are expected to to deliver higher levels of taxpayer compliance as the IRS would get greater clarity on the income earned by taxpayers. The Treasury Department and the IRS has invited small businesses in the U.S. to share how the regulations would impact them, which would be supported by a public hearing scheduled for November the 7th of this year. Once signed into law, the regulations will require all brokers in the United States to file information returns with the IRS using the new form 1099-DA, standing for digital asset, and to provide payee statements to customers. The United States Government Accountability Office, a congressional watchdog agency, released a 77-page report highlighting the need for stricter regulations around cryptocurrencies. The report identified the spot markets for non-security crypto assets as the center of the regulatory gap and stated, quote, by designating a federal regulator to provide comprehensive federal oversight of spot markets for non-security crypto assets, Congress could mitigate financial stability risks and better ensure that users of the platforms receive protections, end quote. On the other hand, Traditional assets in that category enjoy robust regulation, the report noted. All right, so this is the most important part of this entire article, is that the report identified spot markets as, or for non-security crypto assets, as being the very center of the regulatory gap. Okay, so here's the quote again. By designating a federal regulator to provide comprehensive federal oversight of spot markets. The spot, that's the key. This is one of the this is one of the reasons why we don't have a spot Bitcoin ETF because they're always they've been concerned about the following. Congress could mitigate financial stability risks and better ensure that users of the platforms receive protections. That's been the SEC's problem this entire time. Except they have a, I think they have a deep-seated, more a more of a deep-seated problem insofar as that that's a regulatory agency that's been captured by private interests 
this is what I believe. I cannot prove it. And those private interests are in one of two camps. One, they don't want Bitcoin to succeed at all. And I get that. Two, they know there's nothing that they can do about it and they are not positioned where they want to be positioned. And they want that to happen before Gary Gensler pulls the trigger on a spot Bitcoin ETF. And why it's taken them so long to get into position when all they have to do is actually buy Bitcoin is beyond my comprehension, but that's where we're at. I believe that it's actually number two that is causing the issue of why we don't have a spot Bitcoin ETF yet. Do we need one? No. I can buy Bitcoin by myself. I don't need a 401k to do it for me. I don't need a union to do it for me. All I need to do is just buy Bitcoin while I have on and off ramps. All right. But with these, with this whole thing from the IRS and the United States Treasury, it seems to me that that they're taking care of the ones to get us the one step closer that we need to be for the SEC to be able to pull the trigger on spot Bitcoin ETFs. All right, let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. I got West Texas Intermediate down almost a half point to $87.13. Brent North Sea likewise down over half a point to $90.13. Natural gas is up three and a half to $2.60 per thousand. And gasoline itself is up a quarter to $2.60 a gallon. Did I say a thousand for natural gas? A thousand cubic feet, $2.60 per for a thousand cubic feet. All right. Uh, shiny metal rocks are mostly down. Gold down scant. 1944 and 10 cents. Silver is down almost a full point. Platinum is down almost a half, as is copper. Palladium is the only thing in the green. Half a point to the upside. Oh, agricultural futures look pretty messy today. Uh, lumber is unchanged. The biggest loser is going to be rough rice, 2.16% of the downside. Biggest winner is sugar. Over 1% of the upside, but almost everything is in the red. I got live cattle, however, is up half a point. Lean hogs are up one and a quarter. Feeder cattle are up three quarters of a point. Dow is up in the only one that is a quarter of a point. The S&P is down a third. NASDAQ is down, wow, almost a point, as is the S&P mini. Real money kicking along at $25,801.57. We have an average transaction value of 0.62 BTC, a median transaction value of $2 and a quarter. Wow. Block times are very high, 10 minutes and 50 seconds. We have 0.2 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis. Is that, am I reading this right? Holy shit, guys. 75, I think it's going to be 75 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. It's the the reason I'm stumbling here is that I'm looking at bitinfocharts.com and it's being presented to me in quite a bit of a different way than is normal. So I'm not sure if it's 30 BTC or 75. I think it's actually 75.3 BTC taken in fees in the past 24 hours. Hash rate has increased by 2.38%. 
We are now at 363.6 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Doge, 6.3 United States pennies. So the rest of the shitcoin field is holding strong, I guess. Uh, market cap of Bitcoin is $503.4 billion. That is 3.94% of gold's market cap. You can, if you so choose, purchase 13.6 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19 million. Four hundred seventy-eight thousand six hundred sixty-one point eight two of, and four thousand seven hundred forty-two point two of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at one hundred twenty-two point six million dollars. We have sixteen thousand one hundred ninety-three nodes that we can see, and sixty-eight thousand four hundred eleven payment channels that we know about. Seventy-three point three percent of all of it's being run over Tor, and the mempools around the world are packed. Again, well over 210 blocks waiting to clear. We're carrying 564,000 unconfirmed transactions. Uh, high priority transactions are you're going to pay 23 Satoshis per VBite. Low priorities 19 and anything under 7.61 Satoshis per VBite are being purged from mempools around the world. It looks like mempool.space is showing a hash rate of 361.9 exahashes per second. So for a second day in a row, it's almost exactly what BitInfo Charts was saying. So I'm getting a little bit, it makes a little bit more sense when I'm reading those two numbers together. Uh, number six, I believe, on Fountain Charts for the Bitcoin and Podcast. And it's due to people like Stacy with a thousand sats says, great show. Thank you. Black Card Biz with 500 says, all sats matters at allsatsmatters.com. Uh, be careful when you go to anything I say on like when I'm reading what I it's, it's not that I don't trust black card biz. It's just that I always want to make sure that we're all being, you know, exercising competent security when it comes to, well, I'll just type it into my browser, think twice and then do it. Okay. Now Axelrod 451 sat says great show. Fountain improvement did not include show notes. Yeah, no shit. I noticed that too. Excited about value for value music on Fountain. Think of all the possibilities for audio artists discovering V4V platforms. Thank you for covering and living the revolution. Yeah, I appreciate that. Dude, God's death, 370. Thank you, sir. We missed you. Well, I missed you too. Ainsley Costello with 210 says, thanks for keeping us informed. For the non-techie types, you are specifically talking about the domain name and not Noster as a protocol. Noster is still developing apps, but the person trying to sell the domain is Sketch. All right, Ainsley Costello, if you did not know, is uh, on top of the Wave Lake charts with Cherry on top. She's been there for weeks and weeks and weeks. Ainsley, I appreciate you giving me a, a, a shout out here. What's going on with Noster is that Ben Ark filed, basically he bought the domain Noster.com. And so it's a domain. Like when you go to Google.com, that's a domain. Noster.com, no different. He can put whatever he wants on the on the actual website itself. And in fact, you know what I've never done is actually gone to Noster.com. Let's see what that thing looks like. Let's see if it actually has anything on it at all. Yeah, here's the the front page. It's basically like a decentralized social networking with the chance of working. The basics. What is Noster? How to get started? The protocol. Contribute. Um, 
clients and relays. It's like a, basically an information page, and it looks very nice. Ben Ark has actually done a very good job on doing that. No, I don't think Ben Ark is sketch. I just, I just don't like the way that this is rolling out. Ben Ark's been a pretty good Joe for years and years, and uh, you know I've known about him for a long time. But this one, he is selling it for $5 million, not $5 million Satoshis. And it's just the way that this works. I've, I've, it's not that he's sketch, Ainsley. It's that I get a bad feeling in my stomach whenever I see stuff like this. And I can't really explain it any further than that, other than the fact that I've seen what happened to Bitcoin.com. And if you knew the history of behind Bitcoin.com, and you were as you know as steeped in the Bitcoin world that I have been since 2015. It would gut, it'd be a gut punch to you too. I guarantee it. And uh, anyway, by the way, congratulations for be, still being on top of the Wave Lake charts. Uh, you were actually, I think, I'm pretty sure that Ainsley Costello was the first song that I played when I started playing music off of Wave Lake. And I'm glad to see that she's engaging in the community here. Uh, thanks, Ainsley. Chaos underscore chicken with 100 says, not sure why, but every time I hear shiny metal rocks listening at 2.5x, it makes me laugh. Thanks for what you do. Yeah, dude, I appreciate that. O2ZX, he meant 5 million sats. Cringe. It was a joke, right? Wartime Psycho comes to answer. Dollars, not a joke. Lol. Yeah, he meant $5 million, United States dollars to the tune of 5 million of them. Not 5 million sats, otherwise it would have already been sold. User with a lot of numbers says, with 100 sats says, I enjoy hearing that podcast. Greetings from Greece slash EU. Yeah, dude. Welcome. Welcome. Pies finishes us off with 100. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. Texas paid Riot Platforms $31.7 million to slash Bitcoin mining in August. Wow. Decrypt uh, Mattis Melchler. In the face of a heat wave in Austin or in Texas this August, Bitcoin mining outfit Riot Platforms slashed its production in the state, receiving $31.7 million in energy credits for the power it would have otherwise consumed. Riot Platforms cut its energy demand by 95% to redirect crucial resources to the local electricity provider ERCOT, mining just 333 Bitcoin in August, which was worth around $8.9 million. Quote, the company's curtailment of operations meaningfully contributed to reducing overall power demand in ERCOT, Jason Less, CEO of Riot Platforms, said in a press release. Quote, This ensured that ordinary Texans did not experience any disruption in their electricity services. Further quote, August was a landmark month for Riot in showcasing the benefits of our unique power strategy. The effects of these credits significantly lower Riot's cost to mine Bitcoin and are a key element in making Riot one of the lowest cost producers of Bitcoin in the industry less added. Serving as a backbone for 90% of Texas's energy needs, ERCOT is a self-sufficient deregulated network distinct from other United States energy grids. 
Greg Abbott, Texas governor, has taken a minor-friendly approach, arguing that inviting more miners to the Lone Star State could remedy its long, unstable grid by incentivizing the creation of more power generation facilities. Decrypt has approached Riot Platforms for comment and will update this article. Yes, I'm sure you will. Riot Platforms isn't the first company to reduce its operations due to the Texas heat waves. Bitcoin mining company Marathon Digital Holdings blamed the temporary shutdowns when reporting a 9% drop in Bitcoin production for August compared to the previous month. Market changes prompted Riot Platforms, like other crypto mining companies, to reconsider their strategies despite an impressive 8,000% revenue growth in 2021 fueled by soaring Bitcoin demand. The company grappled with challenges in the following year. In 2022, the crypto market downturn resulted in a net loss exceeding $500 million for Riot Platforms. The company's latest quarterly financial report also indicated another loss amounting to $27.7 million. While 2023 witnessed a recovery in Bitcoin's value, lifting Riot's stocks approximately 230%, its closing price yesterday was 11.24, well, no, $11.24, significantly lower than $77.90, which was its peak stock price in 2021. Wow, that's, <clears throat> man, that hurt. That's painful to even see. Uh, I feel really bad for you guys. Anyway, so this is the importance of having these systems and the willingness. See, that's the other thing. The willingness of these miners to actually do what they say they're going to do and shut down electricity consumption while Texas or any other state is experiencing a need for that electricity to be redirected somewhere else. The very first time one of these miners doesn't do that, it's going to be a black eye for Bitcoin. And that, honestly, that does worry me because at one point or another, it's probably going to happen. It's not an if, it's a when, and how bad will it be when it occurs? Just, you know, like all it's going to take is like riot, and I'm not calling out riot. I'm just, okay, let's. Let's say that another mining company moves to Texas. It's the size of Riot, but it's called, I don't know, My Cat Mining. And My Cat decides that during a time in the middle of August, when Texas is like 500 degrees everywhere, that they're not going to shut down their mining. That's all it's going to take for Bloomberg, U.S. News and World Report, Financial Times and anybody else to get a hold of the story to go and their headline will be see told you. I hope that doesn't happen, but it's probably going to happen at one point or another. I just hope I just hope that it's a long time before it does happen. And if it does, that it makes almost no difference, but it's not going to matter. The news stories are going to pick it up and they're going to run with it to try to discredit everything that we're trying to do. Now, Mostro, M-O-S-T-R-O dot network. That's Mostro dot network. What is it? Well, let's, let's try to figure it out. What is the Mostro network? The Mostro network was initiated November the 9th of 2022. The project was started due to the increasing need for people to transact with Bitcoin without sacrificing personal data. Now, the the main product is a Telegram bot named at LNP2PBot, which I have used. And it allows users to buy and sell Bitcoin via the Lightning Network, 
without funds, custody, and KYC. The bot is especially popular in Latin America and countries with dictatorial regimes like Cuba and Venezuela, where Bitcoin is becoming a preferred currency over local currencies. But there's a concern that the bot running on Telegram might be vulnerable to government interference and censorship. Enter Noster Integration. To address the potential censorship issues, Moster, M-O-S-T-R-O, is exploring integration with Noster, a platform that offers more resistance to censorship. The goal is to create a new version of the bot that is censorship resistant and unstoppable. A preliminary version has been developed that operates as a Noster bot and provides a lightning invoice when a user sends a specific event. Now, here's how Mostro works, or Mostro. Mostro operates as a peer-to-peer communication system on top of Noster. It acts as an escrow between buyers and sellers, reducing risk for both parties. Bitcoin transactions are managed using a Lightning Network node. This system requires a private key to create, sign, and send events through the Noster network. Buyers and sellers need Mostro's clients to transact Bitcoin and a Lightning wallet. The plan is to develop web, mobile, and desktop clients into the, in the future. The aim is to decentralize Mostro, allowing anyone to set up their own Mostro system. Operating a Mostro requires a lightning node with high uptime and sufficient liquidity. This sounds a lot like just a general lightning node to me, which I have, and mine is has great uptime, and I've got a fair amount of liquidity. If It seems to me that if BTC or my node BTC, which manufactures the software that I use to run my Bitcoin full node, as well as the ability for me to run other apps like Ride the Lightning. I also use Thunderhub. I also use a couple of other ones, but those are my full Lightning nodes. If they integrate Mostro directly into my node BTC, then I'll be able to run this on the exact same hardware that I already have a full Bitcoin node and a full Lightning node. And I will do it the minute that I see it. I guarantee it. So operating, yeah, well, let's see. Uh, okay, users can rate Mostros. Mostros are basically, if I'm, a, if I'm using Mostro, I'm a Mostros, I guess. I like sort of like the, you know, you, you get it, you get it. Um, users can rate Mostros and they can compete for user trust. Poorly rated Mostros will likely lose users and incentives to continue operating. The system allows for the creation and management of buy and sell orders. Communication between users and Mostro is encrypted and managed through Noster events. The process involves creating orders, taking orders, confirming fiat transfers, and settling licenses. In conclusion, the Mostro network is a solution designed to facilitate peer-to-peer Bitcoin transactions without the need for intermediaries or sacrificing user privacy. It leverages the Noster platform to ensure censorship resistance and offers a decentralized approach to Bitcoin trading. So think of it this way. On a single machine, whether it's a Raspberry Pi 4 or an old laptop, I have the following. A full Bitcoin node which is required for me to run and operate a full lightning node. So I've got those two. All right. So I had to have a Bitcoin node to be able to get lightning. I've got those two. Now I need lightning and a full Bitcoin node in order to put Mostro onto my, well, 
I guess I on my node BTC. Let's just let's just call it like that. If I also have a Nostra relay, which I can do already on my node BTC, then I have these four elements. I have Bitcoin, I have Lightning, I have the ability to have be my own marketplace using Lightning and Bitcoin and leveraging the Nostra network directly through uh, through my own relay for Nostra. This stuff is becoming so tightly knit that they're, you're, it's all, like it, I could see it that years from now, we won't even be able to separate these things out. If you're just a normie and you were never in the early days of Bitcoin, it'll be like going to the internet that you go to, like you just throw the kid on, you know, your, your, your 12-year-old on the internet. They're looking at it. They don't know anything about HTTP. I have no clue what you know, what uh, Ethernet is that is the base of all of the, the internet. They just see a, a a combined functionality that is to them the internet. It's going to be the same here. It's going to be the exact same thing here. Guarantee it. All right. The dust up in Primal is being explained by Miljan, M-I-L-J-A-N. He's Miljan at Primal.net, <clears throat> and he's going to take us through what's going on here. Dust has settled on the primal censorship drama. That's good to see, but I don't want to sweep the episode under the rug. It is probably appropriate to do a postmortem. Let's make sure that Nostra is a better place after this entire episode. So two weeks ago, primal's trending algorithm was attacked by bots. The attacker generated hundreds of thousands of reactions, propping his note to the top of our trending feed. And at the time, our only defense was a simple can't trend list. So we put the attacker on it. He immediately posted to Noster, accusing us of censorship, but his note never took off. The attacker then selected a few few well-liked Noster accounts and started stuffing the ballot box for them. We saw a bunch of bogus notes with massive bot engagement, so we resorted to the only blunt tool that we had. The attacker jumped on the opportunity to publicize the fact that some well-liked accounts were being suppressed on Primal and accused us of shadow banning. The whole thing exploded on Noster. What followed was a pretty tough week for Primal. Most of our users turned against us. I'm pausing to say I don't think that's true, Miljan. I know that that's what it may have looked like, but you have. I don't think it was as bad as you think it was. And I think it's important to point that out. They took the idea of shadow banning seriously, as they should. Most feedback was in good spirits. People making fun of Primal via memes. But we also got a fair bit of hate from complete strangers, which was super weird. All in all, Nostra users were clear about what they think of censorship. This was the Nostra immune system reacting. Being on the receiving end of it really sucked, but it's still beautiful to see. I'm glad that you have a good attitude about it. The crazy part is that those shadow banned accounts were actually perfectly visible throughout the entire primal site. They had exactly the same level of visibility as they do on Domus, Snort, Coracle, and other Nostra clients. They just couldn't show up in our trending bar. I tried to explain, but there was little room for nuance with the drama in full swing. So we decided to disengage temporarily, focus on building, and let our product do the talking. We made our trending algorithm more resistant to bots and removed everyone from the can't trend list. We also built a new content moderation system for Nostra, giving complete control to the user. 
This is our best take on how to do content moderation on such a radically open network. I cover the features and our reasoning in my blog post below. So, Primal is strictly a better product after this episode, but what about Noster itself? You know, the protocol. Attacks can be useful. While they disrupt our system and really suck for us and our users, they do force us to improve and become more competent at operating in an adversarial environment. However, we should be careful about making it socially acceptable for Noster devs to attack other projects in broad daylight. That's not the most productive way to collaborate. It also creates weird vibes, which I think we don't want here. Noster is in its infancy, and the way we act will set the tone for things to come. There is also so much to build, and we are all working as fast as we can. <clears throat> At Primal, we build open source software and run services for Noster. If you don't like the way something works, fork it and do your own thing. If you want to contribute, we accept pull requests. If you have found a vulnerability, there are multiple good ways to disclose it. As for Noster users, I think you all reacted perfectly. Push back hard at any whiff of censorship. When in doubt, mercilessly create memes, point out things that are wrong, and don't ever let up, even if the target is primal. If primal is real, it can stand the pressure. And then he gives a link to the full blog post. But we don't need the full blog post. Because I think this is an appropriate reaction, even though that I think Miljan, even though it sucked for Primal, I don't think that it was as bad for Primal as what the developers think it was. But how could they think anything less? When you get any amount that's over a handful of shit thrown your way, you're going to duck. You're, you don't want to get hit by it. And you're going to think that you're being attacked. And in that particular case, if somebody's throwing, you know, clods of dung at you, you kind of are being attacked. But but not most. It wasn't most of us. I continued to use Primal throughout that entire thing. I, I really like Primal. Did I have a problem with the fact that there may be some censorship issues? You, you betcha. Do, did I call Miljan an asshole because of it? No, of course not. I know exactly what Miljan knows. I know where we are in this entire adventure of ours. We're all early. What I found fascinating was the fact that it didn't get any worse than it was. Because while a lot of people can say, wow, that looked like it was pretty bad. Uh Uh-uh. You ain't seen bad, pal. You have not seen bad. I've seen some really raucous and nasty crap through my time in Bitcoin. And this was almost, I I hate to say it this way, but it was almost as polite as it gets. But it had effect. It had real good effect. Primal introduced something that is fascinating. The ability to control, control your own of what is to be many different algorithms that you can choose from. And if it come, becomes the case that Primal chooses an algorithm for you, I will stop using Primal. I will go use something else because there are many, many other flavors of Nostra clients under the sun. And even Miljan says it himself. If you don't like the Primal Project, you can fork it. Why? Because the Primal Project is open source. You can make your own Primal client right now. You can change it however you want. 
will it pick up, you know, will it pick up and displace primal itself? I don't know. It depends on what you do with it. I, all I'm saying is that as long as we remain open source, the chances of any one client being able to lord over what everyone else sees is almost impossible. So I think this entire episode, generally speaking, was a good thing. Corn DeLorean and a couple of other people really came out of the woodwork. And I think what they might have said might have sounded pretty harsh. But honestly, I think that their hearts were all in the right place. They were like, we're not going to let this go the way of Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. We just, we've had enough. And that, that immune response helps the body in in ways that you just, you sure, you're trying to get rid of the flu. You're trying to get rid of a cold. But an immune response to something like the flu and the cold does way more than that for the future of that body that you just don't know about. All you think of is like, oh, thank God my immune system was working and I got rid of the cold. You have no idea what it did for you in the future. I would go into it, but I don't want to give somebody a lecture on immunology at this moment. Just, you got to trust me. What happened here was one of the most important things to happen in the entirety of the Nostra protocol. A major client basically being beat around the head and shoulders by a bunch of people saying, we've had enough. We're not going to allow this to occur. I think that that was a good thing. I I really do. Um, Where are we at? We're at 65 minutes. I'm going to go ahead and close it out. Uh, That's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, it's Dad Says Jokes. Why did Spider-Man's evil twin fail his driver's test? He was a bad parallel parker. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? (laughs) All right. If you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. Throw me a Boostagram. I'll read it on the air. Stream me Satoshis. It'll go right over there. And I'm pointing to my lightning node, which is about two feet away from me. It means that I custody all of the treasure that you decide I'm worth. You know, even if it's just a Satoshi a minute, I don't care. I'm custodying that on my lightning node. It doesn't go to a custodial wallet. It goes directly to me because of the value for value proposition and the structure that Adam Curry and the people over at Podcast Index have created for us. Can't thank them enough. I just, it, it, it's, an, it's amazing to see where we're going to go. And I can't even, with the most powerful telescope, looking, trying to look over the horizon of the planet on the ship that we are all sailing on, we cannot even remotely guess where we are going. All right, we can see things on the horizon, but in the, in the end, we're going to be more surprised and it's going to be a wonderful thing. It's also going to suck. I mean, Miljan just took, you know, took us through an entire diatribe on how things can suck, but they're critical. These times right now are critical for the growth of Bitcoin, for Lightning, for Noster, for peer-to-peer platforms that allow us to buy and sell KYC-free. It's, it's critical for all of this. 
Even the IRS and the U.S. Treasury are figuring it out, even though I don't trust them as far as I could throw them. But, but things are changing. It's just, it's just going to suck. And I wish it didn't, but it is what it is. Now, uh, the odds <clears throat> from the usual Cats project. Basically, going to let it play us out, man. Because, you know, smooth, cool jazz, it just needs to be played sometimes, even if you hate jazz. Especially on end-to-show stuff, jazz is one of the coolest things to wind it down, get everybody set up to go do something else. So you go do that, man. I'll see you on the other side.
has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.